Matthew again as we continue to preach verse by verse through this book of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 3 is where we're locating ourselves here to finish up the chapter by the grace of God. Matthew chapter 3. This morning I'll be preaching from the text on one of the most controversial things in all of religion. It's not a controversy with God, but it's a controversy with, with religion, and it's regarding baptism. And, uh, you know, if you believe wrongly on baptism, you'll find yourself in hell. It's that important to make sure you've got the right doctrine about that. Uh, some people think that baptism makes you a Christian. No, it makes you wet. And a thinking person ought to be able to see that. But uh, there are millions of people that think they are a Christian because either their parents had them baptized as an infant, which was certainly not even with their own consent, which I'm sure people aren't made Christians without their consent. Would you not agree with that? But in addition to that, there are adults that think that somehow there is power in the water to wash away sin. And the only thing water will wash away is the dirt on your body. It can't reach down into your soul. And the Lord lets us know what we even sang about this morning. It'll take blood. It'll take blood, the blood of Jesus, to wash away what's wrong with our souls. So anyway, we, we approach this issue. And, and even in this text, there is somewhat a controversy of, of this type of water baptism. And we want to, maybe we'll learn something together this morning. Matthew chapter 3, I'm starting to read in verse number 11. John the Baptist is speaking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will throughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him but John forbade him saying I have need to be baptized of thee and comest thou to me and Jesus answering said unto him suffer it to be so now for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness, then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The first thing I see in our text is John's baptism, and that's the title of my message is John's baptism. 
John's baptism was a water baptism. You say, well, it isn't all bad. No, it's not, and that's even in our text. And so the first thing that we need to see is that John only had the power to conduct one type of baptism. Look with me, please, again in verse number 11 where we began. He said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In other words, it's much easier to put somebody into water than it is to put them into the Holy Ghost. It's much easier, and of course the word baptism just means to place into something else. The word baptize is not even an English word. It was made into an English word. There's so many words that came to us in the Bible. The word alleluia, that's not an English word, but it's such a super word that it was just transliterated and the letters were put into the English language uh, because it was a, a word that was bigger than could just be explained with one English word. It's the same thing with the word baptism. That, that word was introduced to the English language through the word of God. Do you understand? That's what I'm trying to tell you. It means to place into something else. So here we have, you can be placed into water. You can be baptized into water. You can be placed into the Holy Ghost. You can be baptized in the Holy Ghost or you can be placed into fire and you can be baptized into fire. Now, John had no power to put somebody into the Holy Ghost or put the Holy Ghost into them. He had no power to put somebody into hell fire or he didn't have any power to do that, but he did have power to put someone into water. And, and that, I think it's very important for, for you to see the difference and the distinction because one of the biggest reasons people believe heresy in regard to the word baptism and doctrines of baptism is they think all the baptisms in the Bible are water baptism. And, you know, they, they pull out verses like, uh, even baptism doth also now save us. And, of course, the Bible tells you it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh is what water does, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. But, but what I'm trying to say is all bab- the word baptize in itself has nothing to do with water. Here you have three different baptisms right in one verse. Do you see that? And John is only conducting one of them, and it's water. And so I can easily put you into water, but I can't put you into God. And let me ask you, which do you think is more important? Do you think it's more important for you to be in water, or do you think it's more important for you to be in the Holy Ghost? You see the and John is letting letting the crowd know that what I'm doing is is a much smaller thing than the one that's coming after me. What he's going to do. I can just baptize people in water, but oh, there's a far greater need in people's lives. And and I can't do that, but the one coming after me can do that. You see that in the text. He said, he that cometh after me is mightier than I. He he can do what I can't do. Anybody can baptize anybody in water. I mean, even kids do that. They get in the swimming pool and they baptize each other. What does that matter? But putting somebody in the Holy Ghost... He's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the 
Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, I'm not going to preach a whole message on the baptism of the Holy Ghost because that's not our text. Our text is John's baptism. No one in this text is being baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's not what I'm, what I'm trying to speak about this morning. But I do want you to see the distinction. The distinction. As a matter of fact, look at Acts chapter 10. Hold your finger. We'll be right back to Matthew. Today, the baptism of the church that we conduct, by the way, we'll be baptizing tonight, okay, by the grace of God. Water might be cold, but it's already been scheduled. Before we will baptize anyone, the testimony is that they've already been baptized in the Holy Ghost And the water baptism has to come after that. So in other words, if the Holy Ghost is not in you, there's no reason to even get into a a water baptistry. It has no meaning. It has no purpose. You say, how do you know that? Well, the first Gentile here, where the Bible's letting us know where Gentiles actually, they didn't even think the Jews, the early church didn't even think they were able, you know, to get into the body of, of Christ. Here in the book of Acts, Uh, Peter is preaching, and the Bible says in verse number 44, while Peter yet spake these words, this is to Gentiles, he's preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now look what he says in verse 47. Can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And so what he's saying is, he says, I'm going to go ahead and baptize these people in water because they've received the Holy Ghost and they have the Holy Ghost. And if God is in them, then then we're going to allow them to get... In other words, there's a prerequisite to water baptism and it's got to be that the Holy Ghost is in you. Now... I can't, when I've I've baptized a lot of people in my life, I don't know if the Holy Ghost is in them or not. I can't see inside their bodies. You say, what do you do? I take their word for it. Do you think I've baptized, preacher, have you ever baptized someone that doesn't have the Holy Ghost in them? I guess, I don't know. That's like when we give out, you know, communion. Only believers are supposed to take communion. Only people that are, so, so people go around and say, well, let's, uh, let's keep people from taking communion. Well, how do I know who's saved? Matter of fact, there's even, a, there's even another prerequisite. You're not supposed to take communion unless you examine your heart and you judge yourself. There's no way I can see that one. <laughs> you see? So a lot of these things we take by faith, but we never tell somebody that they're saved. I don't tell, I don't tell my children, don't ever tell your kids they're saved. They, they need to tell you that. That's their testimony. That's their profession. But I don't go around and just say, well, he's lying. I'm not. But, but see, that, that's the prerequisite is supposed to be that you have the Holy Ghost because that baptism is so much greater, is so much more important. And only God can do that. That's part of our salvation. And John says, I can't do that. 
But the one that comes after me is able to do that. Now, I, I do want to point out that other baptism. He says, verse 11, back, back to our text in Matthew chapter 3, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, some people have said that that's the same baptism, and I, I don't agree with that. That makes me a little different. But, And, of course, they go to the book of Acts chapter 2, where the cloven tongues of fire came and sat on their head, but they weren't immersed in the fire. Remember, go back to our definition of baptism. Our definition of baptism is you're placing somebody into something. Now, now, always, always, when you read the Bible, don't come up with your own conclusions. You always look at the context. Okay? Is there fire in the context? There is. Look back with me in Matthew chapter 3. Matter of fact, it's in... The word fire is in the verse before 11 and the verse after 11. So, no, no, wait. Let, let's get our thing caps on. So if I got fire in verse 10 and fire in verse 11 and fire in verse 12, would it be reasonable to assume that the context is most likely the same? Why, why would I say this is a different fire? And of course, our... Pentecostal charismatic friends want to take the baptism of the Holy Ghost and put it with fire and then have you speaking in tongues and, and barking like a dog or falling out or whatever like that. But that has nothing to do with this fire. Look, look at the context. Verse number 10, I'll, I'll just read it again. And now also the axe is laid in the root of the trees, therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So there's going to be people cast into the fire. That's a baptism. There's a guy, he said, this one that's coming after me, John says, he's able to baptize you with fire. He's able to put you in the fire. He's the one that can do or will do what I just said in verse 10. Look at verse number 12, the verse right after that. Whose fan is, remember, you've got fire. Last word of verse 11, you've got a colon, you've got an explanatory uh, statement in verse 12, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So the, the, he said, John says this, the one that's coming after me is going to do two things. He's going to take the wheat and put them in the garner. That's like putting them up in the barn loft. And he's going to take the chaff and he's going to put them into the fire. You know what that means? That means the Lord Jesus Christ not only has the power of death and life, he has the power of eternal life and he has the power of eternal damnation. And he'll be the one that will take your soul and either put you up in the garner or put you down into the fire. It's not going to be a vote. It's not going to be up to you. It's going to be up to him. So the wheat are those that have been baptized of the Holy Ghost and they're put into the garner. And the chaff are those that have not trusted Christ and will be baptized in the fire. And so I, I think, the, I know that's uncomfortable for people to think about, but, but that's, that's a real baptism. That, 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 that's really going to happen to people. And, and that's why we need to have a burden for people. And that's why we need to pray for people. And that's why we need to witness to people. And that's why we need to, to give our efforts and our money and our, 
our time and our heart. You say, preacher, why the flags and why do we emphasize missions so much? Because there's coming a baptism in unquenchable fire, and I want to do everything I can to get the gospel of the grace of God to those people. I think that's probably a higher ideal for living than probably any other ideal I could live by. And so John says, I I don't have the power to do that. It's not up to me. It's up to the one that's coming after me. So the first thing I, I give you this morning as we look at John's baptism, his baptism was water baptism. That made it a different thing. It was a, a different thing even with the Jews, though they did connect water with a cleansing of sin. Now, the second thing I, I want to show you here, he says, I baptize you, verse 11, baptize you with water. Now, who's he baptizing? Now, go to John chapter 1 with me. This is all just, maybe we can learn a little bit. John's baptism was to manifest Christ to Israel. His baptism was water baptism. But his water baptism was also for Israel that they might see and recognize and receive their Messiah. You have to understand what the purpose. Why was John out there baptizing? Why was he doing that? That was a very, it's not like that was something done every day. It was to prepare the way for the Messiah into the hearts of the nation of Israel. And I want to read it to you. You can just read it for yourself. John chapter 1. Watch this in verse 25. The crowd comes to John the Baptist and they ask him this. Verse 25. John 1, 25. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? Verse number 31. He says... And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Do you see that in the Bible? He is not instituting some type of religious service for the whole world. He's baptizing to manifest Jesus Christ to the nation of Israel so that they will know that he is the Messiah. Do you see that? That's right from his mouth. Look at, I'll show it to you again. Look at Acts chapter 13. I think it's important for us to, 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 to designate or distinguish the fact that our baptism is not John's baptism. John, I, I don't follow it. You got to say this because we're in a Baptist church this morning. And I'm a Baptist. I mean, my daughter-in-law has the sixth generation of independent Baptists. Living in her womb. <laughs> That's a, I, I'm not ashamed to be a Baptist. I, I'm identifying with a certain form of doctrine that I believe. But I'm not a Baptist because John the Baptist. I'm a Baptist because I reject all baptism that is associated with heresy. That's why I'm a Baptist. Now, but, but some people are confused about that. They think John's the founder of our church or... <laughs> Guys, if he's the founder of our church, I want out. I, I need a better foundation than. Amen. I belong to Jesus way before I belong to Baptist. So, Acts chapter 13, to show you that John's baptism is not the church's baptism. Again, he came to manifest Christ to Israel. That, that's not what we're doing. With our water baptism. Acts chapter 13. The Bible said verse 24. When John had first preached before his coming. 
The baptism of repentance. Now, what is that last phrase? To all the people of who? You see the context? Now, look at Acts chapter 18. I'll prove it to you that John's baptism is not what we're doing here at our church when we baptize people. What that will do tonight, by the grace of God. It's not the same. If it's the same, it's not enough. It's, it's not sufficient. It's not correct. Acts chapter 18, Bible says, verse 24, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Watch your Bible. Knowing only the baptism of John. You see that? Look at the next verse. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. In other words, he was deficient in his understanding of the Scripture and of the things of the Lord and had to be... He he knew the baptism of John the Baptist, but, but he didn't know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey said. And so he had to have somebody explain that to him. It wasn't enough. Look at chapter 19. I'll give you a step further. Acts, Acts, Acts 19. Verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. I think I know some people like that. Church without the Holy Ghost is dead. Religion without the Holy Ghost is dead. Singing without the Holy Ghost is dead. Trying to live a Christian life without the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a dead life. So these are disciples, he said. You guys got the Holy Ghost? They said, we don't even know know what you're talking about. Verse 3, he said to them, under what then were you baptized? Do you see, going back to what we said before, in other words, we're not going to baptize you in water if you've not received the Holy Ghost. What's the point? And so Paul's asking him, why were, you, why were you even baptized? You've already told me you've been baptized. If you don't even have the Holy Ghost, then what were you doing getting baptized? He said to them, under what then were you baptized? And they said, what? Unto John's baptism. Well, that shows you that John's baptism is not enough. That shows, matter of fact, here are people that believe and participated in the baptism of John, and you know what? Let's keep reading, verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So he rebaptized them because their first baptism was not right. You see that in the Bible? Now that's where we got our name. Because historically, through the many generations of church history, people would come to the church and they would say, Well, I got baptized, you know, the priest baptized me, or and they said, Well, that's not good enough. It's not even good enough if John the Baptist baptized you. Do you see the difference? This is a different baptism. It's not the same. 
It's totally contrary. It has a different meaning to it. John says, I baptize you with water under repentance. Repentance. Paul even said, John's baptism was baptism under repentance. You know, you can repent of a lot of things. You know our baptism is not the baptism of repentance. In Matthew chapter number 3 in our text, I won't go back and preach it, but a previous verse, verse number 6, said when they came and were baptized of John, they had to confess their sins. Well, we don't do that. We're baptizing tonight. I'm not going to make Brother Allen confess all his sins to you. I'm sure he's got plenty of them, but that's not what we're doing. As a matter of fact, John's baptism was so much different than ours. You know what he did? He told them, if, you're gonna, if I'm going to baptize, you've got to bring fruits, meat for a penance. You've got to prove to me that your life has changed. You know, we don't even do that. Why? Because we're not doing the baptism under repentance. Boy, that, that would flip the lid of every church of Christ in the world. Because they think the baptism of repentance is what allows you to go to heaven. That's not even the baptism of the church. I'll show it to you. Acts chapter 8. Now before Matthew gets finished, he's going to tell us all that we ought to be baptized. He says, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So he he does command us to be baptized in water. But it's not the baptism of repentance. It's the baptism of the New Testament church. We call it this. We don't call it the baptism of repentance. We call it believer's baptism. We don't require people to get in the baptistry that are confessing their sins and have changed and reformed their life. That's not what we require. Because the truth is, You can confess all the sins you want to and try to reform all your life all you want to and you can go to hell doing that. Now now look at Acts chapter chapter 8. Here's our baptism. The Bible tells us uh, here in verse, let me see where I'm at. Verse number 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? That's a, that's a really good question. Now, if you don't have a King James Bible, they cut all this out. So you know what you need to do? You need to cut them out. Because that's, a, that's an important question to answer. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Verse 37. And Philip said, If you bring forth fruits, therefore, meet for repentance. Is that what he said? No. He said, if you will come down on the water and confess your sins. Is that what he said? No. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, I read that because in both texts that we're preaching about water baptism, people are going down into the water. They're not just throwing water on people. 
like going down into the water. So what is the requirement? It is not the baptism of repentance. It's the baptism of believing on Christ. It's the baptism of someone who has put their faith in Jesus. Because when you put your faith in Jesus, you know what that does? That puts the Holy Ghost in your body. In whom also you trusted. After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. After that you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When you put your faith in Jesus, God comes to live in your, in your heart through the person of the Holy Ghost. So you got the Holy Ghost. That's why you got to believe on Christ. Because there's no Holy Ghost there if you're not believed on Christ. And believing on Christ is what's going to wash you and take, take your sin away. He's the one doing the washing. He's the one filling you with the Spirit of God. He's the one that's removing the debt uh, that was against you. Our faith in Christ is the mode of our baptism. It's not John's baptism. I think that's a, a very important point to make. And so we would rebaptize people as well, just as, as Paul did, if they didn't have the right baptism, if they, if they had not gone down the water after that they believed and after that they had received the Holy Ghost. By the way, we'll even rebaptize people that uh, had a baptism connected with, with other heresies. We don't accept Mormon baptism. We don't accept Catholic or Orthodox Church baptism. We don't even accept, we don't accept any baptism that, that relates their baptism with salvation. We, we don't accept that because that's a heresy. That, that undermines the work of Christ, you see. Because it's not by works of righteousness that we have done. You can get baptized all you want. And it will never bring acceptance with God. John's baptism was a water baptism. John's baptism was to manifest Christ to Israel. John's baptism was unto repentance of sinful people that had changed their mind about their sin. Go back to our text. I give you the last thing. And this is the most amazing thing of John's baptism. John's baptism included the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 13, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer to be so now, for thus... It becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Jesus Christ comes to John. And get the picture now. All these people that are going down into the water as heinous sinners. And you know they're heinous sinners. They're going down there confessing their sins. In my mind's eye, I see a line lined up on the shore. I remember I was in Israel many several years ago. I don't know how many years ago it was now. I was in Israel, and, and, uh, and they were lined up at the Jordan River. I mean, the Jordan River is the dirtiest river I've ever seen in my life. looks like chocolate milk. There are rats swimming. All, I mean, rats this long swimming. It's the grossest thing you ever saw. And there are lines that are circled all the way around. It's like six flags. They have these bars, and they're all waiting, and they're walking down water time, and they're getting baptized. I don't even, I don't even think the people do it and even know why they're doing it. 
Well, Jesus got baptized here. None of them are walking down in there confessing their sins. <laughs> it's a show. They're taking pictures. And <laughs> Isn't that sad? But get the picture. In my mind's eye, here is John's baptizing people. They're walking down the water and they say, you know, I'm, I've committed adultery and I've not loved the Lord God with all my heart and I'm a proud individual and I've stolen and I've, I've hurt people and I've, just imagine, I don't, I don't know what, what all do people do? <laughs> they do everything. And they're in line and they're walking down there and they're confessing their sins and Saying, John, I've, I've turned over new. I've, I got rid of my live-ins. I got, I got rid of the, the dope. I got, I got rid of the, the booze. I, I'm not doing that anymore. I, I got rid of that lifestyle, and I'm sorry. And I'm letting everybody know that I'm, I'm repentant, and 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 and, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to get baptized to prove my repentance. And they're walking down, and then the line is just long, and they're coming in one at a time. And the Lamb of God. Gets in the line. And as they're confessing all their heinous sins, he steps down in the water with John. And John said, No. I'm not doing it. You need to baptize me. I have need of you. You don't have need of me. No, but it almost reminds me of Peter. You remember when Jesus told Peter was going to the cross? He said, not so, Lord. No, no. John the Baptist forbade him. No. You know what? You know what I've learned? Don't ever say no to Jesus. Even if it makes no sense. He knows what's going on and you don't. I tell you what, this doesn't make sense. You know why John said no? Because he didn't like the very reason why Jesus was doing this. He doesn't like the fact that Jesus is another sinner in the line. He doesn't like that it looks like that he is in need of repentance just like everybody else. That he has a a dirty life just like everybody else. That he has a dirty mind just like everybody else. And he knows this is the pure, the sinless, the spotless Lamb of God. He knows there's nobody like him. He knows he's not worthy to undo his shoelaces. He's not worthy to even carry his shoes. And you are going to take the place of a sinner? No, sir. But I say, yes, sir. I say, thank God. The two holy men, Peter and John, both that forbade the Lord to do something. It was because He was taking our place in, as sinners in those baptism of repentance. He was taking our place on the cross, the punishment and the wages of sin that need to be paid. Do you understand that Christ in His perfection took your place? 
to fulfill all righteousness because you can't do it and I can't do it. And the perfect Lamb of God says, I'll become your sin and I'll take your place so that you can have my righteousness. Well, what a Savior. You know, I don't think I would dare want to go down to the prison house and take anybody's place down there. I've been in maximum security prisons. I, I, I don't want to do that. I preached there. I preached in Huntsville, Texas, where they have murderers, all kind of people. I've talked to them. I've cried with them. I know, I know a little bit what kind of life they live. You don't have, you couldn't fill up this room with enough money for me to go take one of their place in prison. But you asked me to send my son to take their place. That's even a bigger swallow. And God sent his only begotten son to take your place. There is no story like that. There is no message like that. There is no religion that could come up with anything. There is no philosophy of man that could have a, a higher, more lofty, more profound thought than Jesus Christ, God's only Son, taking our place and identifying with us who are unworthy and are sinful and in need of repentance. He said... Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. I'll say this, and this will help you. We get baptized to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we should walk as he walked. We're following his example. We should walk in his steps. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus get baptized to be saved? Why would anybody in the world think that they could do that? If you belong to Jesus Christ, he didn't get, he didn't, did Jesus Christ get in the water to be baptized in water to wash away his sins? Then why would that be the example for anybody else that follows him? No, no, we get in the water as a child of God. You see that? We get in the water being justified. We get in the water taking following the steps and the place that our Savior walked. He took our sin. He took our punishment. And if He gets down in that water, and if that's the way He wants us to, to acknowledge Him before the world and before others and identify with Him, if He could identify with me, then I need to identify with Him. You see that? I want to please Him. Now, what happens in this story? Verse 16. When Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Don't you want to please him? That means following Christ. Example here, pleases God. This pleased God the Father. He let everybody know it. He spoke from heaven and told the whole world. I'm pleased with him. Well pleased. Don't you want to well, don't you want to be well pleasing to the Father? 
I really believe this. I believe if you've been saved by the grace of God and you've got the Holy Ghost living in you and you have never been baptized in water by immersion, that you have, you have a big step that you need to take if you're really wanting to please God. Because that's so easy to do. The Christian life has some twists and turns that are a little more hard, a little harder. But you know what the, the motivation of our life should be? I, I want to please God. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. As I close this, I see something else here. I see all the, all the Godhead in one place. You have the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as he's baptized in verse 16. You have the Spirit of God descending like a dove. If you read Luke's gospel, he says it in this fashion, Luke 3.22, that the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape or bodily form as a dove. you got God the Holy Ghost coming down as a dove you got God the Son in the water, and God the Father cannot take it anymore, and he opens heaven up, and he speaks audibly from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You've got God the Father, and you've got God the Son, and you've got God the Holy Ghost all in one same place. And that's why at the end of Matthew, he talks about being baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. You've got all three of them right there. Picture together. I see something else that's great here. I was reading one of those authors that I, that I really get a kick out of reading that nobody much knows about anymore. I won't even tell you his name, make you guess why. He, says, he said, look at verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up. Do you see that phrase, went up? It means he was down into the water and then he went up. Now you do understand what water baptism is a picture of. It's not a picture of sinners getting their sins washed away. <laughs> it's a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day. That's the only good news in the world. That's the only thing, the only message, the only thing you can trust that will take away your sin and give you a home in heaven. That's the only way to be saved. It's his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what baptism pictures. Now when he went up, what is that a picture of? His resurrection. The Bible says, and went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the what was open. <laughs> well, I see, the author was right. He said, can you not see the picture there of how after the death of Christ, he went up and the heavens were opened? And you know what happened when the heavens were opened and he went up? The Holy Ghost came down. <laughs> and then you know what happened? God started speaking from heaven. And God Almighty has been speaking from heaven ever since that day. And you know what he's talking about? He's not talking about your problems and he's not talking about all your heartache and he's not talking about politics and he's not talking about everything people want to talk about. He's talking about his son. And everything that's well-pleasing is wrapped up in Jesus. 
And I'm telling you, if we don't wrap our lives up in Jesus, we'll never be pleasing to God. And our lives will never be pleasing to even ourselves. The message of the text of John's baptism and the great thing was that God steps on the scene. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And I wonder this morning, I know that Jesus pleased him in everything, but is the Holy Ghost resting on you this morning? And are you living, whether whether you've been baptized in water or not, is the Spirit of God resting on you this morning? And could God say, I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. Three times, three times, God the Father opened up heaven and audibly spake where everybody could hear it, and it was about his son. Three times. He did it here at the baptism of Jesus. He did it in Matthew chapter 17 when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he did it in John chapter 12 as Jesus was praying. And everybody heard it. This is my beloved son, whom I'm, hear ye him. I will glorify thy name. If God Almighty spoke audibly to you from heaven, he would point you to Jesus. And that's where we point you today, is to Jesus. I wonder, are you listening for his voice? Are you hearing him? Are your hopes and dreams wrapped up in him? You know, God the Father let us know the only man in human history that God opened heaven and spoke and let everybody know this is it. He didn't do that for Moses. He didn't do that for Caesar. And he's not going to do it for anybody else. But he opened up all of heaven and said, this is the one. And I'm going to prove it to you. He's going to do things that never man did. And he's going to speak like never a man spoke. And then I'm going to give you assurance on top of speaking from heaven, on top of all of his miracles, on top of all of his words, I'm going to give all men assurance that this is it and life has to be wrapped up in him. I'll give you all assurance And that I will raise him from the dead and he will be the judge of all men. I just want to ask you this morning. Have you identified with him? Because he sure did identify with us.